Hi, my name is Amber Arger and I'm a Reiki master and a shamanic practitioner. And these podcasts are a chance to just reach out and share some of my learnings along the way as a healer um, and a teacher and also just as a fellow seeker on this journey that we call life. Um, I found that it's quite a nice way to reach people that maybe can't come and see me for healings in London uh, or don't even live in the UK. Today I wanted to look at that old chestnut, um, love and, and fairy tales. It's been coming up quite recently um, in uh, circles and in, in healings, this desire for, for a relationship, for love in our lives. Uh, but wrapped around that is uh, often an expectation of what this love will be like, look like. And when we dig deeper into those expectations, we find that they can sometimes have quite an innocent, almost childlike fairy tale quality around them. And by that I mean that perhaps we're waiting to be rescued, or perhaps we're waiting to be swept off our feet, or we're waiting for that moment when time stands still and two eyes meet and we instantly know. But what we're doing is we're passively waiting. We're not doing, doing anything in our lives to create the energetic environment for that to happen in. Or we've created such a fairy tale that nothing will ever match up to it. No one is ever going to match up to the fairy tale that we have been living and dreaming and visioning for years and years and years that may go back to childhood or it may have started later. And often that fairy tale will have in it some clues as to our wounds and the things that we need to heal or the things that we are in process of healing. For example, we are waiting to be rescued can sometimes be about that need in us to be looked after or protected in some way. And that can be from an unfulfilled desire that may stem back to something that happened to us at some point in our lives where we weren't protected or looked after at a fundamental level. And therefore, that is quite a deep wound in us that will require healing. But should we choose not to address that or even be unaware of this, we will be seeking to heal that wound in our relationships with others. And sometimes what happens is that we seek to heal that wound most um, powerfully in our relationship with an other, with our significant other, um, rather than seeking to heal that wound in ourselves first and come into right relationship with ourselves. This incredible writer called Joshua Stone, who's written a lot of books on spirituality, but combining it with quite an interesting psychological perspective, in one of his books, and I will paraphrase because my memory can sometimes be terrible for quotes, um, has written that in terms of relationships, the most important relationship that we have in this life is with ourselves first the second most important relationship that we have is with spirit, that great mystery, the great unseen. 
The third, fourth, fifth important relationships that we have are with partners, family, children, friendships and so on. And I feel that is very, very important because if we're not in right relationship with ourselves, we cannot be in right relationship spiritually and we cannot be in right relationship with an other, a significant other, our beloved that we seek. And so often it seems we try to get into right relationship with others without even looking at what's going on in terms of our internal dynamics. We want to have that incredible friendship or that incredible relationship and yet there is no incredible friendship or relationship going on in our inner world and most especially within the inner masculine and the feminine within us. This comes up quite a lot in healings at the moment, this balancing of the male and the female in us and I'll briefly touch on it here although I will do a separate podcast on it and there is a meditation, a few meditations actually on the website that you can visit for this. It does not mean that we compartmentalize what it is to be male and female, stereotype it. That's not what's meant by the inner male and female. It really is about the inner opposing forces in us, the yin and the yang, the male and the female. And everything in nature, everything in life has this. Everything has an opposite. And we have that within us. It just so happens that we give this a title and call it the inner masculine or the inner feminine. I prefer to call it the divine masculine and the divine feminine. And often in um, in in prayers, those that are, are not following a a religion but are following a spiritual path that comes from the heart rather than a, a defined practice that it must be this way, will refer to the great mystery, the great unseen as mother, father, God, the above and the below in indigenous communities, in native traditions, in the medicine wheel, you have the above and the below. And that all that says, what that says at a, at a most uh, fundamental level is that there are opposing forces. There is the above and the below. There is mother and father, There is male and female. We see this all around us and that is how life is created. So of course we house that in us. Now the characteristics of the male and the female is sometimes what can trip us up. We start to feel that we're playing stereotypes by even trying to categorize this within us. I'm just going to put it really simply, or simply for me anyway, how I have come to understand it. The divine masculine, the masculine energy is about going out and thrusting forwards, about creating about forging, Uh, it's the warrior energy, Uh, it's fire, it pushes, Uh, it's strength, and a physical physical strength, It's, um, it's the logical often, the mind, ideas, the divine feminine for me is flow, surrender, the mysticism, the mystery of life, the magic, the womb, the place of birthing and creation, of bringing into life, stillness. Those for me, on a very, very broad palette, is what the masculine, the divine masculine, the divine feminine is about for me. So we ask ourselves, where do I sit? You know, if I if you have to say, well, where am I? Am I in 
more in the divine masculine or in, more in the divine feminine? Where am I? It will give you a good idea of where you are in terms of this inner marriage. Now, so often we can very, I mean, we're very programmed in a sense in Western culture to be in our masculine, to go out, to forge, to demolish, to be very logical and practical. And often this, this, um, the more mystical, magical side that cannot be explained to life is uh, disregarded as nonsense, as superstition. Uh, it's not practical, it's not logical. Um, you even see this in families, you know, and, it, and every uh, kind of, most families have this tale that, that you will hear again and again, my parents wanted me to be a doctor or a lawyer or an accountant, they wanted me to be something practical. And yet within a lot of people, within all of us, is that beating heart of the poet, of the painter, of the mystic, of the spiritual, of the philosopher, of that, of, of seeing that which cannot be explained logically, but is felt in the heart. So we ask ourselves, where do I sit? Am I someone that always goes and wants to respond to a situation logically? And Do I always follow my mind or do I follow my heart too much? Am I someone that's always pushing and pushing and pushing in life? Or am I someone that's forever going with the flow of life? Because neither of those, if we're too much on one or the other, really will serve us. If we're always pushing, 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 we'll eventually reach burnout in some senses. If we're forever in flow, we'll feel like we never have any focus in life. We can't build anything because we're always going where the current takes us. We do need a balance. So the inner marriage, the inner union is, a bringing, is about bringing into union the male and the female in us and when we do that then we are better placed to meet that balance in the outside world in a relationship. So the most important relationship, going back to those three relationships I was talking about, is with ourself and that is how we have it by bringing the male and the female in us into balance. How this fits in in terms of our scenario for love is that often we don't do that work and then we try and seek someone on the outside world who's going to give us balance. So we may not be able to uh, approach life very logically and so we're seeking someone who's going to be the logical one for us. Or we may not be able to be very in tune with our creative um, mystical side and so we're seeking someone else who's going to bring that into our lives. But uh, authentic relationships don't necessarily work that way. We can't seek our own completion and union in another. We must have it within. And so this is what I have seen tripping people up quite a lot, is there is a wound within us, there is a yearning or a seeking, and rather than go within and discover what that is, we place it on outside external sources that we wish and hope and yearn will will fill that void in us and and then that yearning and that desperation takes us further and further down that path and ultimately nothing ever really fits it fills it because it's for us to heal that within us first in terms of our fairy tale scenario then it's worth asking do we have an impossible checklist of what we're seeking in a partner that constrains rather than allows? And are we looking for the most perfect match rather than allowing what is meant for us to come to us? Have we given perfection a list of characteristics? We will often have fantasies of what our dream partner will be like. And 
this could have started from a very young age or it could have been something that we've developed over the years and it will be a list of attributes that we feel are the most important. I wasn't sure whether this was always the case but talking more and more in healing sessions and also just generally in life it's pretty clear that we have preferences. Now there are positives and not so positives about preferences. The positive about a preference and what we're seeking in a partner is that it should help us see that everyone has a preference, it's part of our human nature. Therefore, if we are rejected by another, it is not something for us to take personally. We are simply not in alignment with their preferences in a relationship. And that's okay. And it will help take the edge off in in the dance of relationships, feeling as if we are not um, accepted by another, that somehow there's something wrong in us. So the first thing to do is acknowledge that we all have preferences. And to say that we don't, well, either, you know, whoever says that they, 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 they don't have preferences, they've probably reached an incredible state of enlightenment. Um, and that's wonderful. Or they're in denial. Um, because it's human nature, it's part of who we are, where, you know, we're not gods, we're humans. And it's okay to, to know that we have preferences, um, to accept that we have preferences, and then we start to work with them. So these preferences, I mean, often for people they are physical, you know, my partner must be tall, or have dark hair, or blue eyes, or green eyes, or be rich. Um, sometimes they're, they're very practical or material preferences, they must have a body that is slim, or muscular, or... Um, and we can have quite a set idea of what we want. And, and this set idea um, becomes a default setting over time in our inner world. So that when we're out there in, in the marketplace, and I say this in, in the most um, fun way, as in everything is out there for us to align ourselves with. When we're out there in the marketplace of life, because our default is on looking for someone who's tall, dark and has green eyes we're not even aware of the other plethora um, of opportunity that's available in terms of being able to connect and communicate and perhaps have a genuine heart relationship with someone. So that's why it's important to know what our preferences are because then we start to know what our default settings are and how those default settings might just be keeping us um, separated from the magic of life. We're shutting ourselves out, therefore, from all those myriad experiences that could come into play. Now, if they're physical preferences that we have, what I will put out there is that we are spirit in a human body. We are here to have a physical existence, and we are in a vehicle, and this shell, this vehicle, this physical body is an important one, one to be honoured and respected. But equally important is that we see beyond the shell, we see beyond the limits of the of the physical and we see into the soul of another because that is what we truly are having a relationship with the soul the 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 enigma of another and that is what shall last when the body and and the physical shell shall start to age and fade as it does for everyone so often the physical can be an illusion and we need to ask, are we too swayed by the illusion? Are we simply seeking the illusion in our list of preferences? So it's worth really sitting with what our fairy tale scenarios are about love 
and truly asking yourself, what is on my list? What have you said your partner must have? And how long is this list? And if you could trace the list back, when did these demands first come into place? Now, sometimes it could be because of a wounding, as I said previously, um, that could go back to childhood or a traumatic event. Sometimes it could be a wounding because we don't want to repeat what we feel would be the past. So if in our past experiences we were hurt by someone who had blonde hair and green eyes, our default setting might say, I don't want to go anywhere near someone who has blonde hair and green eyes because that's going to bring up memories of the past relationship that didn't work. And that's something to start to unravel um, because that's a, in a sense it, it means we're living our life um, according to the past and a kind of cliche that isn't serving us anymore. So it's worth looking at the list and sitting with your list, and we all have one. And if we, if you've never uh, constructed a list or not, never even been aware of one, then start to create one. You know, really ask yourself, what are the things that I want in a partner? Physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual. Then look at the list again and ask yourself, what on this list is totally non-negotiable? In a sense, what are your deal breakers? And be brutally honest with yourself. This is not a place of judgment. You know, the, 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 for every person who says, this is what I must have on my list, there might be five other uh, spiritual voices that pipe up and say, but that's not, that's wrong, that's judgment. You'll never find what you're looking for if you have that on your list, and on and on and on. Now, of course, we know this. If We know if we're constrained by a list uh, we're missing out on the beauty of, of whoever we may fall in love with. The point right now is to know what is on your list, to know what for you right now is non-negotiable, and then find a way to release that. But you can't release something until you truly know what it is and inhabit it and accept it. So it is worth going through this list, this fairy tale, mythical list, and asking yourself very honestly, what is non-negotiable for me? I mean, truly, if it's non-negotiable for you that your partner can have no other eye colour than brown, say, then it's non-negotiable for you. But then it's worth sitting with, why is that non-negotiable for you? What do brown eyes mean to you? There will be a reason. And you will be able to trace it back to something that may well need healing or releasing in some way. Um, for example, it is non-negotiable uh, that my partner must have blonde hair. And we trace it back and trace it back and trace it back. And it could be because our very first love, the very first person we ever had a crush on had blonde hair. Or it could be because the very first person we had ever had a crush on had brown hair and now we want the opposite. Or it could be because the person that hurt us the most in life um, had brown hair and now we want the opposite. Um, or it could be because the person that hurt us most in life and then left us had blonde hair and we're still seeking them in some way. You know, it will be your story. But truly, it is worth doing this. Because when something like that, like the colour of someone's skin or the colour of their hair or their eyes becomes a non-negotiable, we need to ask why. We truly need to ask why when it's a physical attribute. Um, but also in your list, it really helps to, to, to keep focusing on the inner qualities um, and to be really honest about what, what are these inner qualities uh, that you are seeking in someone else. 
Once you have um, made this list, however long it may be, then a very practical way, a practical exercise is to go back to your list and whittle it down to a top 10. What are your top 10 attributes that you are seeking in a partner? And be really honest with yourself. These are your top 10 that are deal breakers. This is without judgment. This is without, but I shouldn't think this way. This is just being really honest with yourself for now. Okay, then sit with that list and whittle it down to a top five. And that's going to be quite tricky because you're going to have to negotiate with yourself now. You know, do I really want someone who's got a sense of humor or do I want them to have brown eyes? And you're going to have to decide what's important. It may well come down to something like that. And that's important because now you're refining what it truly, truly is that you want in a relationship, that you want in a partner, how you want your life to be together. That's not to say that that's what you'll manifest. That's what will walk in, into your life. It's important to know what it is at the deepest level that you're yearning for. How can you possibly hope to step into a relationship with another when you're not even aware of what your deepest yearnings are? We need to know ourselves completely before we step into that arena of, of wanting to know another completely. Do we not? I believe we do. If you can... It's good to hone your list down to a top three, if you can. But you may just stick at five, and that's fine. Um, and stay, please stay authentic, because everyone's list will be different. And it's about what, what, what is going to be the most authentic, perfect match for you. And it may keep changing, and that's all right, but it's, it's good to have something to work with. So once you have your list, look at the attributes that you have asked to be in another, to be in your beloved, in your other half. And then ask, how many of these attributes do I have in myself? Now, if you have said that, um, I mean, this is where it gets tricky with the physical stuff, because if you've said, oh, I, you know, my perfect partner has to be a certain height, well, uh, you know, I think if you reflect it back at yourself, you're going to say, well, am I going to be the, the right height for someone else? Am I the right height for myself? I mean, this is where it starts to get tricky. So, and also a little bit silly. So that's why it's a good idea to really bring your attributes into the, as much as you can into the inner world rather than just the physical. So looking at these and you say, how many of these attributes do I have in me? How many of these do I possess? So, for example, if we're asking, uh, if we're saying, I want a partner who is really grounded and has stability in their lives, we need to look at our own lives and say, well, how grounded am I? How much stability do I have in my life, if any? Because if, if we have not mastered something ourselves, if we have not walked that path ourselves, we cannot ask it of another. We simply cannot. We cannot demand, we cannot have on our list, my partner must be grounded, if that is something that we can, uh, do not master ourselves, do not house ourselves. How can we ask that of another? How can we seek that in another? It lies within. Um, and also to remember that, that it's, we will not be able to seek it in another because the outside world is a reflection of our inner world. 
So if we're lacking groundedness and stability in our lives, say, and we're busy seeking it in a partner, it is a truth that the outside world reflects what's going on in us. How hard is it going to be to meet that grounded, stable partner when we don't have that stability and groundedness in us? So the work that we then seek to do is to start to work on those attributes in ourselves. Okay, so you're looking for in a partner someone who is open-minded, grounded, uh, stable in their lives, and creative. Okay, how many of those qualities do you have in you? Maybe you have a couple, maybe none, maybe all, but they could all be developed. They could express themselves more fully. Maybe you have all those qualities, but you don't express those qualities. Maybe you don't express your creativity. And if you're seeking that in another, how can another creative soul see that you are a creative soul if you're not displaying that in some way, if you're not living that as a truth? So that's the work that we start to do as well as embodying the love that we are seeking from another. If we're seeking to be loved unconditionally by another, we need to love ourselves unconditionally first. Because when we're in the place of non-seeking, that is when we find what is meant for us. Now, the yearning is important. The yearning is vital because it is the fuel that gets us out of our comfort zones and puts us into that place of true adventure. Sitting still and waiting with a checklist in hand, saying yes, maybe, no, you know, you don't meet my requirements, separates us from the magic of true manifestation. So as we come into greater alignment with our true self, with our highest self, as we come into greater alignment with unconditional love because we embody it and we are it, because we give that to ourselves, then all that matches that frequency will also come into our lives hopefully in the form of a partner. So if we find ourselves facing a series of stagnant patterns that repeat themselves over and again, it is worth us asking where do these sit in me? If we meet partners who somehow are consistently not able to commit or end up being deceitful in some way, then we need to ask where am I like this towards myself or towards others? And when we find that place, that's when we use that yearning for love, that yearning for uh, that romance, that, that fairy tale, as the fuel to heal and befriend those places in us. And it is work. However, it's work that's about falling in love truly with self and with spirit. And when we have that love in our lives, then we're not seeking. And when we stop looking, that's when we find You know, we often tend to find the very thing that we've been looking for when we stop looking for it. It's the first thing people say to you. You say you've lost your wallet or you've lost your car keys. And people will say, well, just stop looking and you'll find them. It's true for anything in life. When we stop the searching is when we find and we stop the searching by putting all that yearning and that desire towards ourselves, to give that love to ourselves, to build those qualities in ourselves. And then whatever's meant to come will come because it will be in alignment with our inner world. So we keep working on our inner world if the outside world is not making us very happy. It doesn't mean that we work on our inner world in a bubble and don't do anything in the outside world to shift it. Also, it's a balance. You have to go out there, therefore, once you're doing the work or have done the work and meet new people, be creative, create new opportunities and, and bring that love that you're housing and birthing in yourself out into the world. It is always, always a balance. 
Again, the balance of the male and the female, that that surrenders and waits and incubates, and that that goes out and creates. So the fairy tale stuff um, of being swept off our feet or being rescued is often stories of childhood. And when we're in the place of the child who's waiting to be rescued or, or waiting to be swept off their feet, then we're not really in the space to attract a partner in the truest sense, an equal, a union in its most authentic sense. And really when we're seeking that, then we're seeking to build a life that is beyond the confines of the fairy tale. And in order to do that, we need to first understand the fairy tale, where it comes from, and then truly let it go with love. And love is the key here. Um, we started this podcast uh, saying that it was about love, and love is the key. That love that we seek, we give to ourselves. And we give to ourselves until we no longer seek it. And then it shall find us. Um, there are, as I mentioned, a few meditations on the website that it's possibly worth exploring. There's one that's uh, called the Temple of Union, and that's about journeying inwards and really meeting the male and the female in you and starting to bring them into a place of union. And it's a good place to start just to see where those dynamics are in you and how they're playing out in your life at the moment. And it will change, it will keep changing. So if you want to explore those meditations, the website is www.sacredspacehealing.org. That's www.sacredspacehealing.org. So thank you for listening. Um, may love blossom within you and find its winged way to you at a time that is the most beneficial, the most love-filled, and the most spirit-led. So until the next time, so be it, so it is. <laughs>